0: Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life-balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer.
1: Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Ayers on the Road. I'm Richard Eyer and I'm seated by the lovely Linda Iyer.
0: It's great <laughs> to be here. It is really great to be here where we are. I don't know where you are, but we are in Hawaii. We're in Maui, which we mentioned last week. Wait, did
1: you say Hawaii? Did you say Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, that's the
0: way they say it here, you know. Oh it is? Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> That reminds me of a joke. Two guys got on an airplane headed for Hawaii, and they had a little argument about how to pronounce it. And one said, it's Hawaii. And the other one said, no, it's Hawaii. And they they decided to bet a little on it, and they said, okay, when we land, we'll get off the plane, and the first person we see will say, how do you pronounce where we are right now? So they got off, and they walked up to this first guy, and they said, how do you pronounce this island? And he said, Hawaii. And the one guy said, I told you, thank you so much, sir. And the guy said, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. oh
0: man, what a joke to What start a way with. to
1: start off a show, right?
0: Oh man, <laughs> especially because of what we're talking about today. That's true, it's we're going to get real serious.
1: serious here in a minute. But <clears throat> we apologize in advance for roosters. You may hear roosters here, they are running around. Our little house here, like crazy. But if you hear a rooster, just enjoy it.
0: Absolutely, or birds twittering, or birds, or cows, you know, cows mooing,
1: jungle. Sounds like a jungle.
0: <laughs> it's great. Um, we appreciate you listening in, even if you're not doing it every week. We appreciate your um, your patience and your and your interest.
1: We've been telling stories for the last. 10 or 12 weeks, different kinds of stories every week. We love stories. They're all personal stories. They all involve something from our life. And
0: and they all involve family, and they all involve relationships.
1: Relationships, exactly. And we, we felt like this week we'd like to tell some opposition stories. You know, it's one thing to tell. We all have a tendency to want to tell the best stories of our lives, the happiest times, the... The, the biggest accomplishments or the things that we enjoyed most. But that isn't very complete. And we thought today we would try to tell some opposition stories because we've all had a lot of opposition during this last year. Well,
0: we, we're in the middle of opposition, which, um, well, hopefully not the middle. Yeah, <laughs> we hopefully. We hope we can see the end either of the The middle.
1: beginning of the but, end or the end of the beginning, one or the other.
0: Yeah. It could be either one.
1: And so, let's, let's be a little personal. The first thought that comes to me, when someone says to you, Linda, what's the biggest opposition you've had in your life? What's the biggest sorrow? What's the biggest sadness? We ought to talk more about those things because they matter and they also comfort other people because we need to know we're all in this together and... The first thing that comes to my my mind is the loss of my father. I was 15 years old when my dad died at the age of 39 of cancer. And boy, I wasn't ready for that kind of opposition. And getting through that was really a tough time. A lot of times with opposition, we can look back and we can see there was growth, there was progress, there was learning. But pretty hard to see that in the moment when it's happening. Well, when you were 15, right? Yeah,
0: 15. 15, a little sophomore in high school.
1: <clears throat> I mean, the, the the joy on the other end of that is that it, it did cause me to grow up faster than I would have otherwise. And it caused me to rely more on my friends and to make more friends and so on. And, it caused me to become more self-reliant. But those are afterthoughts. That's looking back. At the time, it was nothing but why me and why did this have to happen now and how am I going to get along without a father and on and on and on. And you well, had some opposition early in your life.
0: I've, I think if if you think about some your opposition in your life um, as you go along, it would be... It would be good because we need to think about that sometimes and and often think of the things that we learn from it because almost always we do learn from those things. But I need to mention that uh, we have a daughter. Her name is Shawnee. She does a beautiful blog called 71toes.com. She has been doing it for many years. I bet a lot
1: of listeners follow Shawnee. She's She's got a million followers. She's such a good thinker
0: and so on. But she just has done a blog post called Can Sunshine Live in Valleys of Sorrow? And I think that's a beautiful title because there are. But she did this because she wrote about this not too long ago and um, she has Beautiful readers and give her wonderful ideas and so on. But she also has a couple of trolls, and she also has <laughs> people who are naysayers. And she and I sometimes I say, "Honey, why don't you just delete those?" And she says, "No, I learn from those. I learn when people their
1: comments say
0: yeah. uh, say something nasty. And sometimes it is nasty, but uh, this one was not really nasty, but a little opposition when she was talking about learning from hard times. And this, and Shawnee's
1: had some hard times. We'll tell you some more about those in the show.
0: But this reader said, Oh, you religious people, you always just think, Oh, somebody died, but man, that's great for them because they're going to be with who they love and, and we'll we're going to be fine. And they, you don't give yourselves time to mourn and to think about. The hard things that you've been. She was
1: talking particularly, specifically about members of the LDS Church who, who she said in her critical way, you, you just brush things off. You always look for the bright side to a fault, where you don't ever, you don't ever admit sadness.
0: And and she might have a, a a point there because we do tend to do that. But it really is amazing what we do learn from from hard things. And so this is a little bit of of a pushback on that because we do learn from every hard thing. I mean, you learn from being the oldest of five children when your father died when you were 15. Your younger siblings were on the way down to a three-year-old, your little sister. And um, 13, 11, 9, something like that. And
1: Three. Why don't you read a little from from what Shawnee concludes on that?
0: Um, well, she says, One of those things I still remember from a while back is when those comments were being made. I wish I could remember which post and where. Sometimes I'm the worst at, at responding to comments, but I do read them. Anyway, someone was talking about how in my church it seems like everyone tries to brush over sadness and sorrows. That there seemed to be some unwritten rule that you should just look for the good and hard things rather than just accepting sadness. Does anyone remember that? And then she speaks to her listeners. And she said, specifically lately, because it seems that she has been thinking about it a lot. And she said, specifically lately, because it seems there are so many valleys of sorrow in the world right now. So many people right in the little corner of the world to mourn with. And it is so true. Um, in her little corner of the world to mourn with and she is now the president of the women's organization in her in her ward and there are so many things people are struggling with in the world right now and she has her eyes have been opened to so many difficult things. But she says because of these comments from way back when, talking about how I or council in the church sometimes tend to brush over the sad I wonder if that's true, and I think it certainly is to an extent, but it's okay to look for sunshine and sorrows. It's okay to look for silver linings. If, if I do that, why do I do it? And then she goes on and, and talks about that.
1: Um, I think she quotes from Corey Tenboom's book and, and some of the opposition in extreme cases like concentration camps and so on.
0: Right. Um, and she has some beautiful artwork here from... Caitlin Connolly, who we all love, um, all we women, and the beauty that she that she shows in her artwork. Um, this per- first one is woman brought to her knees, and she's kneeling down, crouching down, and there's a ton of hard things <laughs> on her shoulders. Opposition,
1: opposition, opposition down. Yeah. Well, and it's particularly poignant coming from our daughter Shawnee. She's really faced some challenges, and 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 now again with hindsight she can see some of the beauty of it um, little lucy their 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 last child of five was born with a syndrome called barde biedl syndrome which
0: it's uh, just named after the two scientists who discovered it but, and we've talked about this in the past and right, maybe on, a on long the, past on the show a long time ago yeah on the show
1: but it, it's it's caused it's causing lucy to lose her sight She's, she's 14 now and going blind and she's had a lot of difficulty with her weight and with other issues and Shawnee and David have risen up to the task and they've learned and their other children have learned. It's made, it's given their family a great kind of depth. They're actually involved raising money now to support research for this very rare syndrome and doing a wonderful job. They've made it into a cause. And, you know, again, we can look back at things that were terrible and that caused us tremendous grief, and we can find silver linings. But while they're happening, and for so many of you who are listening, 2020 has been a tough year, and you've faced various kinds of opposition that are sometimes economic and sometimes in terms of your health and in terms of the virus. And it's just tough. And we we thought we'd tell some stories today that might share with you how we all feel when we have those moments in our lives.
0: Right, and there are times that we go through and it takes a lot of years to recover or a lot of years to realize maybe what we did wrong or what we could have done and so on and then that's another whole thing is curing guilt um for not changing, but um and I think you can think about this, but I think you should share your recent aha with your family and your uh, your siblings. but just listen to this for a minute. I love the quote from Helen Keller, Shawnee says, although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of overcoming it. and um also, she in church, in church today she said this was a quote, Psalms thirty four nineteen, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. And in Hosea five fifteen, in their afflictions they will seek me early. And that's an interesting one because it does help us turn to God. And in second Nephi two two, God shall consecrate thine afflictions for thy gain. And those are just a few of the scriptures that really follow along with that, that we do learn things
1: from. Well, and you know, you know, honey, we really, um, <clears throat> we have a saying in, in our church, opposition is necessary in all things. And that's some deep theology that we won't try to get into. But I think I personally love a quote from Shakespeare, which is so beautiful in which in a way, um, Begs to be fleshed in and, and talked about more. It goes like this. Sweet are the uses of adversity, which, like the toad, ugly and venomous, wears yet a precious jewel in his head. And so our lives, free from public haunt, find tongues in trees, books in the running brooks, sermons in stone, and good in everything. I just, I like the the beginning of that quote, sweet are the uses of adversity. If If we can somehow learn to look for the uses of adversity, how do we use adversity to build ourselves up, to strengthen our character, to become empathetic to other people who have problems? How do we get through it, but not just get through it? That's the challenge of this whole epidemic. We we were so in the pandemic. We we just how do we get through it? How do we get back to where we were? How do we get back to normal? How do we return to the way it used to be? And we need to couple that with the with some other ideas. What do we learn from it? What are the sweetness of the uses of this adversity? How do we not only cope with it but learn from it? Those are tough questions, but they're, they're the kind of questions we have to ask. And in the second half of the show, we're just going to tell you some more of our own personal opposition stories and let you decide whether they're helpful to you. So hang on. We'll
0: be right back. Welcome back to Ayers On The Road. Here's Richard and Linda Eyer. We're back today talking about kind of hard things in our lives.
1: Telling some stories about opposition and you know Linda when I think of that we're always focused on family, we're always focused on relationships, on ours on the road and when we when I put in my mind the two words family and opposition, the third word that comes to my mind is Jonah. <laughs> our middle our middle child probably has faced more opposition physically in terms of things than any of our our other children. If we were to list the top 10 opposition stories from our family, I'll bet you more than half of them would be about Jonah starting when he was born. Nine weeks early, nine weeks early with lots of problems,
0: lots of breathing problems, uh, taken in an emergency, uh, uh, after quitting breathing several times in an hour out in a little cottage hospital where we were um, living in London out in the outskirts of London into um, University College Hospital the finest hospital in the world and they did put him together again um, immediately and it was it was really an amazing story that well and was...
1: that that opposition started earlier that started with you it started when we were we were mission presidents in London at the From a little activity with the missionaries, and you were in a lot of trouble. Speaking of opposition, you were bleeding. Massive
0: hemorrhage, uh, uh, suddenly, and also an emergency. uh, Ride in an ambulance to the hospital. And it was really, really a very, very scary time.
1: Boy, it was. And, and, you know, once we got, once the baby, I mean, we've told the story on the show before about the miracle of a, an eminent doctor from London that rushed down and performed a cesarean, a very, very fast cesarean that probably saved your life, honey. And then this little baby who weighed about three pounds and who had lung problems and other issues and had to be taken to a hospital. And we insisted they that the, the little hospital where he was said, well, we'll just have to see what happens. He's got about a, chance of making it, and boy, we weren't going to sit there for that. We got him transferred to this big, beautiful, well, it wasn't beautiful, but it was a good London hospital, and he was there for 40 days and 40 nights in an incubator, and we were there with him every day driving in, and boy, that was a tough, tough time for us, not knowing if he would make it and not knowing what after-effects would continue with Jonah
0: well he was big for that early I think he was about 313
1: yeah he <laughs> which, well and he's still he <laughs> happy is. end of the story yeah. is he's 6 6 and he's a strapping young man but that was just well, the beginning of Jonah's opposition right
0: <laughs> he also let's see in order I don't know if we can do this in order but he was coming out of a pizza place and was attacked by, attacked by two Doberman pincers who, who just ripped him apart.
1: Could have killed him.
0: Honestly, a guy just happened to come along who also had a lot of children and pulled those dogs off of him. I mean, we you don't want to know all the details because, you know, the the mom who had him, we weren't even with him, he was with a friend. The mom who had him had just come out and, and gotten in the car and then was horrified to see what was going on. Anyway. So then he went on TV that night oh, um, he was well, eight, after they put, eight years you know, stitched old. him up and put him back together and they interviewed him on TV and he said well I'm just I'm so glad that it wasn't a little child or an older person. <laughs> We're so proud of him. For <laughs> it was that.
1: one of the sweetest things but he <laughs> but, literally could have been killed. Those dogs escaped from a, a truck and attacked him. And, That led to a lot of interesting things. He was terrified of dogs, as you can imagine. And we ended up getting him a dog and he became a real lover of animals over time. But boy, you know, it's like with all these things of opposition, as I was saying, when they're happening, you're not thinking of silver linings. What happened next to Jonah, as long as we're on that theme? Well, um, got hit by a car and almost killed. He
0: got hit by a car. He was down at the high school. And, uh, you know, I don't want to know all the details, but running across the street and a car just came along and plowed right into him. He, um,
1: well, that's an interesting circumstance because he was running for office and it was the election assembly and he forgot one of his props and he ran home to get it. And then he was coming back to the school and there was a bus stopped and he, he just assumed...
0: It was a red light at the That It was a red
1: light, so he ran in front of the bus, and and the bus was stopped to pick people up, not for a red light, and the car on the other side of the bus hit him, and it should have killed him. He was so lucky. He went
0: right through the windshield into the lap of a sweet little Hawaiian lady. And, And, um, And
1: the call we got, we were still asleep. It was early in the morning, and the call from our other son... Who 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 could hardly talk? Our younger son, who who had gotten there shortly after, and said, "You've got to come down here fast. Jonah's been hit by a car, and we don't know if he's alive." And oh my goodness, that was an amazing, amazing time of well, and horror of really of horror. Yeah, that
0: was really probably the scariest thing that has happened to us. And you know, you want to think that. Everything just has a happy ending, but those of you who are listening know that there are tr- there are troubles down the line. He's now in his 40s and he is having some breathing problems from them giving him too much oxygen when he was in that incubator, not knowing that at the time that that many years ago. And he's struggling with some issues with his hips and his legs. Both of his legs were completely wiped out um, in that surgery. It took it a broken long, broken multiple long,
1: times. It was. Um, a- yeah, terrible accident. It was a
0: terrible accident, and luckily he we were worried about brain damage, but he he luckily um, dodged a bullet on that. But it really is amazing that sometimes these things last forever, and um, well, not forever, but or lifelong problems.
1: But, but but you know, he gained Jonah gained a, a I don't even know what to call it. I was going to say a sense of perspective and and of Serenity in a way, through a lot of those things he went through, and we could mention others. I mean, they, again, <laughs> we have a place at Bear Lake, and and there's an emergency room at the closest hospital, and I think Jonah. Visited there multiple times. No. Oh, he just, I,
0: it's still, I mean, stalactite fell off of his shelf <laughs> in his room, and and cut the glass that was in. was like, you don't even want to know. I mean, I this mean is some a, people were just born to be.
1: This you know, is accident prone in, in capital letters, but again, looking back, he really does have a perspective and a, oh, a sense of priorities that I think has come. Partly from those times of opposition.
0: Well, he has such a unique um, personality, and he's just a unique soul. Yeah, uh, he's here with us. He's built this little house. He well, built was, the house. The house for us was that we're actually right a shack, yeah. and they said you can't, you can't do anything with this. It is just a disaster. And he said, even he said, I don't think we can do it, and he did it. And here we are sitting in this lovely little quaint house in. In Hawaii uh, just almost in his backyard but it is delightful he's done amazing things here and uh, his wife of course he married a great partner and together they created this beautiful uh, space so
1: so um, you know opposition what do we learn from it can we can we make it sweet as Shakespeare says sweet are the uses of adversity can we do it that's the question.
0: Well, I think we can, but maybe not in the moment um, or even in the year. And maybe you should mention uh, what you your latest aha on your family is.
1: Well, and I think After before that, I, I some, sometimes th- there's, I don't know if opposition is really the right word. Sometimes they're tragic stories. Sometimes they're, they're horror stories. Sometimes they're just severe disappointments their setbacks you know people have had a lot of business failures and lost their jobs and had economic problems during this last year that are pretty severe and can we find the sweetness in those can we look beyond the surface and see what's really going on i mean a big a big setback for us in our life we some of you listeners know I ran for governor in Utah and thought we really thought we would win. I mean, we thought we had the campaign set up, right? We thought it was a good time. There was a vacant governor's seat. The governor had retired and we weren't running against an incumbent and we did in fact, win the Republican prime, the the Republican convention and, um, but we didn't win it by far enough to have the nomination. It had to go to a runoff and we lost that runoff. And there was a time there when we were feeling like, well, we'd prepared so well and we'd done so much and how did this happen? And what, what do we do next now? Where we've really failed in this endeavor. And it, again, with hindsight, you look back, it was just a year later that one of our books, uh, became a New York Times number one bestseller. And it, it it took us off on a course that we wouldn't have been able to go on had we won that political race. And I think part of it's rationalizing, but we look back now and say we, we got on a trajectory where we could contribute in more unique ways than if we'd been uh, in politics. And so you can always find the silver linings, but looking for them sometimes is very hard. It's very hard to find them at the time they're happening. And a lot of you who are listening today are in the midst of a really disappointing time or an illness, or maybe a death in your family. And these, these opposition stories become part of the fabric of who we are. And hopefully we can look at them with perspective.
0: Now, you don't want to say, oh, yay, I have cancer. I'm going to learn some great things from this. Because right. we we don't want to say that. But my sister did have a darling uh, granddaughter. And the outcome is not always as good as hers. She had leukemia at age about four or five. and Went through all the chemo stuff at primary children's. And then recovered for a short time, relapsed.
1: Relapsed. Oh,
0: all, all over again. All this stuff. Relapsed
1: then, at about seven, right? Yeah, or I mean, seven
0: or eight, and then relapsed again. And so she had to have a total uh, bone marrow transplant. Which and that's hard is to find a amazingly perfect Amazingly hard. And they just cooked her with radiation and all this stuff. But you know, the happy ending of that story is that she just made a movie. <laughs> she just made a movie in in utah with, oh, she's in a utah little star
1: she's just a little of the star Santa box
0: and she was the star she just is absolutely incredible and i know those of you who have not had to that happy ending are still in sorrow the in the depths of sorrow but it really is true that you can come out of these really hard times
1: well and to make it really current you know um here's <laughs> the here's a, here's a The thing that happened to me in this last year is I got shingles and shingles is not something you want to get. In fact, if you haven't had the shingles shots, go and get them. Uh, my, my doctor told me after this was a long bout with shingles, it lasted three or four months and I'm still feeling some after effects from it. And, and my doctor said, you know, yeah, Uh, an average case of COVID is nowhere near as bad as an average case of shingles. Oh yeah, no
0: way. (laughs) Those of you who have experienced no way what we mean, but get your shingles shot along with your vaccination for COVID and your flu shot. I I just want to end with a beautiful quote that one of Shawnee's readers left. All right, absolutely all right all right and
1: we'll end with this and you guys just know we're with you and we all have our opposition stories and here's the conclusion
0: uh this kim her reader says the work of the mature person is to carry grief in one hand and gratitude in the other and to be stretched large by them how much sorrow can i hold how uh, that's how much gratitude i can give if i carry only grief i'll bend Toward cynicism and despair. If I have only gratitude, I'll become saccharine and won't develop much compassion for other people's suffering. Grief keeps the heart fluid and soft, which makes compassion possible. Francis Weller. I love it.
1: Wow, that's beautiful. Thanks for being with us on Ours on the Road. We'll tell you some more stories next week. Bye-bye.